When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. everybody it's jay scott this is the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast hope you're doing well staying safe staying healthy listen to some good tunes listen to some great music as an escape we're always here for you for you to offer that escape talking about rock music interviewing great guests like we have today i'd like to welcome in someone i'm a huge fan of and that's tyler bryant from tyler bryant and the shakedown what's going on man how are you Hey man, I'm doing great. You know, um, just uh, hanging out in my studio here in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, yeah, ready to talk about a little rock and roll with you. Yeah, I've uh, been looking forward to this conversation for a while. I've had the pleasure of seeing you live twice within the past year, year and a half. Saw you with uh, Blackstone Cherry, which was out in Joliet, mm-hmm. I believe, at this place called the Forge. And yeah. then I was able to see you with Temperance Movement at, I think it was Lincoln Hall in Chicago, which was just a tremendous show. Yeah, both of those shows were really fun, man. We, we love playing in the Chicago area. And, um, you know, it's, uh, we, actually, um, we actually just got a new, a new bass player who's from the Chicago area. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so we get to talk about that too as well. But we always start the every episode, every time we have a first-time guest, the same way. And that is the essence of the podcast, which is the hook. Just like every song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has that moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or a performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Oh, it was um, seeing the Black Crows in... Dallas, Texas at a, a place called the Palladium and they came out and they opened their show with a song called Horsehead. It was off the By Your Side album and I was just instantly obsessed with rock and roll. That By Your Side album is very underrated in their catalog. Um, it's I, co- I completely agree with you there. 
Yeah, it's a great, great record. I mean, they they had the first two albums, right, that were huge for them, and then they kind of did some different things and tried to stretch themselves artistically, and then they came back with By Your Side, which then I think they followed up with the with the album Lions, which is another great album. Yeah, that, that album has some great songs on it as well. By Your Side is consistently one of my favorite Crows records, though. I think that record, just is, it's just a rocking album, you know? Where did it go from there? I mean, obviously, you're a phenomenal guitar player. I think you're one of the new guitar heroes that are out in music today. So from seeing the Black Crows, what made you want to pick up a guitar? Oh, man. Well, see, I, I, I'd, already, um, I'd already picked up the guitar because I was obsessed with blues, you know? Before I found rock and roll, I was a huge blues nut. Um, so I was already kind of... Um, deep into the catalog of Muddy Waters and Freddie King and Albert King and, you know, all of these great blues um, guitarists. So the guitar really came... Initially, I wanted a guitar because I wanted to look like Elvis when I was in first grade. I just wanted to hold one. And then when I heard the blues, I wanted to... I wanted to be able to express myself like all those artists that I, like, grew to love. Yeah, the blues is huge in Chicago. Growing up here, it's like you're almost, you know, from, from the moment you're in the womb to, you know, when you're born, it's like you're listening to the blues in Chicago. And, you know, obviously there's been players like, you know, Magic Sam, who's one of my favorites of all time. Otis Rush, who's a big influence in oh, yeah. uh, my musical taste. You mentioned Freddie King, who I love. I mean, there's just so many. John Lee Hooker. I'm a huge blues fan. And in fact, my gateway to the blues was the movie The Blues Brothers when I saw that. When oh, wow. I was five years old. Cool. You know, because they had all those blues artists in there. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, being from Chicago, it's like if I was if I was from Chicago, I'd probably just be like, yeah, I'm 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 from Buddy Guy's place. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Buddy Guy has such a you know huge you know space here in the city i mean it's just you know no one bends a guitar like buddy guy i mean when you listen to him play you know he's just a phenomenal player and he's still got it today you know i mean he's what he's got to be close i mean is he 80 years old he's got to be at this point yeah he's got to be but he i mean he's just a living legend oh man i mean have you ever been to his club downtown in chicago when you guys have come through no i have not chicago is one of those cities that i would love to just come and spend more time um because every time we we come through, we're, it's you know you know how it is when you're on the road. You get there and got a million things to do, and then you're gone. Um, so it's one of those cities that uh, my wife and I were actually talking about the, the places that we want to go, not on tour, where we can actually just be be real humans in a place like soaking up a city. And that's one that's one of the cities that I really want to spend more time in, just because so much of the music that's been important and influential in my life came from Chicago. You know. I had a recent conversation with another band about the Zebra Lounge, I think it was called, when the Stones showed up to a Muddy Waters. Um, oh, yeah, and they all crawled across the table to get up to the stage. And, yeah. Oh, it's so sick. Yeah, I remember watching that when I was a young kid. I'm like, this is so cool. You know, in Muddy Waters, the only one that doesn't move during the whole performance is Muddy Waters. You know, it's like he's like the focus. He's the, you know, he's the king of the stage right there. And, you know, Mick's moving and Keith and Ronnie are moving and then Buddy Guy shows up later. And it's like he's he's just sitting there. He ain't moving, you know. Yeah, he doesn't have to. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. You know, yeah. it's just, and you know, and then one of the great moments that we talked about in this conversation I had that 
you know, people don't really pick up on is there's a moment, I think it's Ron Wood that's up there and Buddy Guy shows up and you hear Muddy Waters going, Buddy Guy, Buddy Guy, like get on stage or whatever. So Buddy Guy gets on stage while they're all playing and Ron Wood takes off his guitar and hands it to him. Like, I don't need to play anymore. I'm just going to go sit in the bar and watch you play. You know, that's what I'm going to go do, you know, and that's, that's just, just a huge, you know, yeah. yeah, just like a huge sign of respect for, for that to happen. Cause Ron Wood is a, is an accomplished guitar player himself, but you know, buddy's the guy. Yeah, he's definitely you know? no slouch. Yeah. So, so from guitar to wanting to be in a band and play live, when did that moment happen? Um, it all kind of stemmed from that Black Crows concert. And then, you know, I, by the time I was 17, I was like done with high school. I, I moved up to Nashville on my own when I was 17. And I kind of finagled a plan to um, basically enroll in this online school to get my high school diploma because I was, I just couldn't stomach the thought of sitting in high school my senior year because I knew exactly without a doubt what I was meant to be doing. And so I moved to Nashville that, you know, within that first year I met the drummer Caleb Crosby, who I still play with today. And we, we, you know, piled, piled whatever gear we had into the Ford Expedition and started going out and playing shows. So my senior year was spent on the road. You know, we got to go out and play shows with Hearts and Aria Speedwagon and like it was like we were, we were play, basically taking our first gig was with Erica Baidu we were taking any gig um, and luckily we got some really good ones so we got a pretty exciting start you know we also played a lot of really bad ones you know like four hour sets at you know bars that sold pizza you know like crappy crappy gigs but we were we were out there like trying to earn our stripes and uh, that's I just kind of decided I was going to do it, and then I and I did it. That's yeah, interesting you say that about earning your stripes because every time I've seen you guys live, I've been just blown away. I mean, you know, there's the moment when your drummer comes out behind the kit and is interacting with the crowd, and you're jumping around, and the crowd is really into it. And that's just, you know, that's what rock and roll needs, you know, like a, you know, a punch in the gut, you know, and that's what you guys offer. Every time I've seen you guys, I've, I've just walked out of the club going, man, that, that band, that's an awesome band. That's phenomenal. <laughs> hey man, that's real. That makes me really glad to hear, you know, we, we kind of, we have this um, mentality in the shakedown, which is, you know, you're only as good as your last show. So we, we try to, we try to make every show, count for something and, and leave it all on the stage, you know? I mean, even if it's like, even if we feel like we don't have much in the tank, you're getting whatever, you're getting the last drop, you know? And that's, that's always been the mentality. The first show I, I saw you guys was at the forge in Joliet and it was a school night. And my son, who's 15 now, he plays guitar and he's really into you guys. And I'm like, all right, I'll take you, but we're only staying for the opening act, which was you guys. You guys are opening for Blackstone Cherry. And he's like, all right, all right, let's go. So Joliet's about 45 minutes to an hour from where we live, you know, because that's, and that's why I okay. said, that's why I said we can only stay for the opening act because you got to get to school the next day. So, yeah. so we get to the show and like, he's just like, just mesmerized by you guys. And yeah, you actually talked with him for for a few moments after the show, and you gave him a couple guitar picks, and like he was just okay, like awesome. he was just like this is this is so cool. So that like really set him off on playing the guitar. Like he practices, you know, five six hours a day, 
you know, once he's done with his e-learning, you know, with school, he just gets right into it and he's just jamming away. And, and, uh, you know, I know he, I post this playlists on my Twitter feed and he's always including you guys on it. He just loved you guys and the experience that he had. Oh man, that's so awesome. Hey, well tell him I said hello and to keep, keep rocking. Um, that's, that's one of the, the cool thing about playing venues that size is when you can actually meet people. You know, um, I met, I met, uh, a, an artist that I had admired a lot when I was early early on, this guy named Ian Moore. You know, I used to love, he's, and he's gone through a lot of different phases as an artist, but uh, I heard him say something one time. He's like, you're not, you're not a rock star because, you know, you're, you're on stage and everybody thinks they're cool. He's like, you're a rock star when you know people everywhere you go. <laughs> you have friends everywhere you go. And, it's, and that's what's so cool about like, one of the things I'm most grateful for about getting to go around the world and play these shows is I'm basically just getting to go to a gathering of like-minded people every day where it's like, Oh cool. Do you want to rock and roll too? Like we get to hang out for a little while. It's like, it's just cool. I love it. Yeah. That's a, a great perspective. You know, it's like you're, you're playing with your friends more or less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I like to look at shit down shows. It's not like we're playing music to the crowd. It's like we're making music with the crowd. And that's how I feel like when you guys play. I mentioned, you know, the drummer coming out, you know, and, and interacting with the crowd and, you know, the crowd just being at the front, rushing to the front of the stage. I mean, that's the atmosphere that you guys do create. That's awesome, man. So from guitar, you know, you, you learned, you know, the blues. You were really, you know, in, in digesting the blues. You saw the Black Crows, you know. What was the moment where you wanted to write music, where you, know, you wanted to write about your experiences and you know connect with what you've gone through and what you're dealing with and putting it on paper and playing a song? Oh, well, I mean, that started at an early age, you know, like whenever, you know, I wanted to date, a, date a, an older girl. My parents were like, you can't, you know, it's like going through like childhood rebellious phases. I would go right, go into my bedroom with my little eight track recorder and bust out a drum groove. You know, I was, I was constantly trying to record and write, you know, that's, it's always been something that's, that's made me tick. And then, uh, when I moved to Nashville and was living on my own, all of a sudden I started, um, feeling the world in a, in a, in a different way because it was, I didn't have friends. I didn't have family there. I was completely alone in a new place. And then that's when I really started writing songs because I didn't have, I didn't have that sort of comfort of one parents paying, paying my bills. It's like, oh, I have to, I have to figure out how I'm actually going to survive. And, and I, and I like that. It, I like that. It made me feel hungry and like even more driven than I already was. And, uh, I just, you know, it's, it's been something that I've continued to, uh, explore and try to get better at over the years. You know I mean? I, I, I watched the, a bunch of interviews with Guy Clark today and just, you know, taking notes on what he was, what he was reading, who his favorite writers were, stuff like that, where I'm just so fascinated by storytellers and, uh, and people who are, who are able to leave enough space in, in lyrics for you to insert yourself in your own life and your own experiences. And, um, but yeah, it, it started early and it's just, it's kind of snowballed. When you're writing music, right, and you're trying to connect with something that is close to you or made you feel an emotion, whether it's happiness, anger, annoyance, love, whatever it is, 
is that process difficult for you or how do you connect, reconnect with those feelings that's about something that's already occurred? Um, sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's, it's, it's like a little bit difficult to be vulnerable. Um, it's, it's, I think sometimes it's harder to listen to something after the fact for me. Um, because a lot of times when I'm writing, it just kind of happens. Like you're there and you're in a room and you're holding your guitar and you're, either, you know, recording, you've got a microphone that's recording what happens or you're, you're physically writing it down, but you, you're kind of so in the process you don't even realize it's happening. I mean, that's how it goes for me. Um, a lot of the songs on this new record kind of came like that where, you know, I just showed up, which I, I that's my theory, is you, you don't get anything unless you show up to do the work. And so every day I come down to my studio and it's like, I'm going to make something. I'm going to sit here until I make something. And then some days it's, good and sometimes it, it really sucks you know but um sometimes sometimes it's it's after the fact when you listen to something and you don't really know where it comes where, where it's come from and then you start to put the pieces together and go oh man yep yeah, is that how i'm feeling <laughs> is it you know you mentioned you know being vulnerable and, and it is i mean writing music and writing about your experiences really puts you in a vulnerable position and trying to reconnect and, you know, grab those feelings again. When the song is finished and it's put on an album and you're performing it with, you know, for people or people are listening to it, is it important for you to get that connection from your audience or it doesn't matter because you've already connected with it. It's up to the audience to kind of interpret and make them feel however they feel. Yeah. I mean, it's not important to me that they have the same connection to it that I that I have, I, I want them to have their own connection to it. You know, it's, I think that's the ultimate goal for me is that they're able to just connect their story to the song in some way. Um, it's very rewarding to me whenever, you know, if we, if we play a song and I look out and I see people with their eyes closed in the woods and kind of in a moment, you know, we're, and we're, and I feel lucky to get to share that with, with our audience. I mean, that's, that's one of the most rewarding things as a songwriter. That's more rewarding than like getting a bunch of plays on, on Spotify or, you know, having a song do really well. It's like, that's to me, that's a song doing really well. Cause that's the, that's how I feel whenever I go to a, a concert of a band that I love, you know, it's, that's how I felt whenever I, I'm at a Tom Petty, was at a Tom Petty concert and, you know, closing my eyes and hugging, hugging my, my friend that I'm there with you know, being inside the music. And I think that's the goal is because I, I'm, I'm able to get inside the music when I'm creating it and when I'm performing it. And, uh, I think the goal is just to bring as many people along and kind of into that world as possible. And, you know, they, they can have, they can have different places, different places to go inside that world and relate to different things. But I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's, it's just rewarding whenever people, whenever people kind of find their own, their own way to take in the song. Have you ever written a song where at the time it meant one thing and then over time it means something else to you? Yeah, absolutely. There, there have been uh, multiple songs on this new record that were written before, you know, the pandemic, before a lot of the, you know, just troubles that, that we're facing right now. And uh, like songs like Holding My Breath, that song, I mean, it's, Every, every interview I've done, people have assumed that that song was written during lockdown and, you know, written about wearing masks. It's like, no, that song was just written about anticipating better days. It was written 
long before any of this stuff. Um, and so it's when I sing those lyrics lyrics now, I feel I feel differently than I did when I wrote them because there's more experience to fit into the cracks of the story. Um, and the, you know, a song like Hector, you know, that was that was written just when there was a ton of stuff. You know, there was a ton of stuff going on. We were juggling. We were doing you know, a million different things and, and uh and we had we were on the road. We were I mean, you know how it is when you when you're doing a lot of stuff at once you start to feel like you're wearing yourself a little thin. And uh Caleb I, I called Caleb and said, Hey, I just need to I need to make some music. Can you just come over and like we can jam and he came over and we were we were kinda jamming a little bit and Caleb, Caleb is always the guy he's like let's write a happy song let's write a positive song let's write more positive songs and uh, I was like dude I just I don't have that in me right now like let's I want to write a song called Pressure and uh, and we we took the word and and wrote the song Pressure which is the title track of our new album and that was before everything and, and honestly I, I kind of forgot about the song and Caleb reminded me of it whenever we were in the process of making this record we listened to it and all of a sudden the lyrics had a completely different meaning to me the new album is pressure and it's available october 16th this is an album that you know is coming out during you know in, in the middle of a pandemic in the middle of what we're dealing with right now what was the recording process like with this album was it different than the previous one truth and lies Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we made this album in lockdown. We did this entire record in my home studio. Um, so it was recorded in my basement, you know, which luckily I've, I've been acquiring <laughs> gear for, you know, I have a problem. So, you know, we were, we didn't have a lack of gear, you know, any of that stuff. But, it, you know, it was definitely different to be recording at home, kind of just locked in with, the, with my best friend. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just a, we decided we wanted to make a record in the basement and make it sound as much like the band as possible and not try to doctor it up, not replace the drum sounds with drum samples. Like let, let it be like we're inviting our fans into our creative space. That's one of the things that I noticed about this album. I love the, the, the record truth and lies, the, the great record. I felt with this album pressure it was a lot more raw. It was a lot more kind of like, you know, just kind of showing yourselves where, you know, not to say that anything you've ever done was overproduced, but I just think that you guys really let the music breathe on this record. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of songs that like, for example, Hitchhiker was written in the studio and we played it twice. You know, it was like the song was made up and then we played it twice. And the second one is like, what you hear. So it's, you know, we were kind of, figuring out what we were doing while we were doing it. So it's, it's kind of got that we're dancing on the edge and we might fall or we might not. And it, I, I like it because it keeps me on the edge of my seat as the artist. And, and that's kind of what you, you, what I hope the listener will feel too. I also, you know, felt that, you know, writing a record and, and doing a record during these times also offers an escape for you guys in the band, you know, I mean, cause let's face it, you turn on the news and it's like the world's going to end tomorrow and there's all this stuff going on. And of course you want to stay informed, but at the same time, 
you know, you get you get that feeling like enough is enough. And and did that help kind of propel this record into, you know, going from an idea to actually being produced? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was, you know, I mean, well, uh, you you know you know the shakedown. We like we're road dogs. We spend all of our time on the road, and so when all of our shows got canceled, we we had an internal discussion and just said we have to do something like we, like we can't just not make music. And, and we decided that we were going to make a record and we talked about the possibilities. And a lot of the studios we were, we were looking at working in were closed down. Um, but we're also, we're also like one of those bands that just doesn't stop for much. <laughs> it just takes a lot to get us to stop. And so we just decided we were going to take it, take it on ourselves and, um, invite our good friend, Roger Allen Nichols to come co-produce it. And I did, I do think it did give us all a sense of purpose um, that I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what, what place I personally would be in mentally without being able to put my energy into something like, like this, you know, this is the, that was, I've made two records since then. One was my wife's band. I engineered a record for her band and then I'm working on a, a bluesy gospel album with this artist and Frankie Ballard. Like, just have to keep I have to keep making stuff otherwise you know I can't I can't I can't sink sink into, <laughs> into the floor right now well that, yeah I mean that's important right because you know now when you're creating music and you're with your band and you're and you're working towards something it's giving you something to look forward to every day you know that's not negative it's a positive right you're creating music you're with your best friends you're you're you know hunkered down in your basement you know, forget about the outside world. Whatever's happening is happening. Let's just make some music and, you know, have a good time. And I think that's like, you know, the perfect recipe, the perfect medicine for getting through a difficult situation like this. Yeah, I think I think this, we, we kind of looked at this record as an opportunity to take a bad situation and make something positive out of it. Um, which is it's also why the record starts with the song Pressure and it ends with the song Coasting. We got to keep coasting, coasting through it all. It was like, that was sort of the release for us where it's like, yeah, you know, I, we're going to be okay, you know, but you, you don't get to being okay without kind of going through, going through it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and, and this is, you know, a, a certain unique life experience, you know, I mean, when you think about 2020, it's kind of like the lost year. Um, and hopefully 2020, you know, we'll turn things around and, like you said, be able to see bands like you guys and other bands that are out there. Because I, I usually do, like, 20 to 30 shows a year, and I haven't been to a show all year long. My last show that I went to was last November. I saw the uh, the band called Big Wreck out of Canada, out in uh, local here to mm-hmm. Chicago. And then, like, the last performance I saw was Dave Chappelle in Milwaukee, I think back at the like end of February. So I haven't like done oh, cool. anything, you know, since, since then. And I'm, I'm, I'm like chomping at the bit to see a live show. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's just crazy what's been happening and hopefully 2021 turns it around. When you think about, you know, the future and what live music will be. Um, I just had a representative from Neva, the save our stages organization. You know, when you think about all the stuff that's going on, what are your thoughts on, you know, when things open up, how you guys are going to process it and get out playing in front of people? Oh man, to be honest with you, I, I have no idea. I've um, 
that 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 sort of that thought is a little daunting to me. I, I just feel for so many of the venue owners, um, you know, the employees of these venues. I feel for the the road crews of the band. I, feel, I mean, there's just no one is unaffected by this. So I think it's going to be one of those things that we're all going to have to kind of get lean and mean and relentless together. Um, you know, because things are going to be different for a while, but we'll, you know, it'll, it'll come back and we'll, and it'll all be good. It's just going to take, it's going to take people helping each other out. It's going to take some sacrifice, you know, on everybody's part and it'll, it'll all, it'll all get better. I'm pretty certain of that. So until then, you know, we just got to get creative. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I felt that 2020 was going to be the year that rock and roll was really going to, you know, capitalize on the momentum that's been building for the last few years. Obviously, that didn't happen. It had to be paused. And I do think that, you know, there's going to be an explosion in 2021 because it's like the perfect recipe, right? I mean, you've got all these creative people making music. And that music's going to be heard eventually, whether it's, you know, an album coming out in October you know, from you guys or a band making an album coming out in December or next year, whatever it is. So there's going to be all this new rock music coming out. And it's all going to mean that people are going to want to tour and bands are going to to play for people and people are going to want to go see that because everyone's been cooped up. So it's almost like there's going to be like an explosion of just everyone coming together and saying, let's get this thing going, get this thing back on the track again. You feel similar to that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When you, yeah, I mean, I think when you shake when you shake the bottle up, the top comes off harder, you know. And that's, I think, that's what twenty, 20 hopefully, what twenty twenty one is going to be. When you think about like new rock music, and you know, I'm a huge proponent of it. I I love talking about new bands, love having new bands on the show, and you know, everyone likes to say, "Oh, you know, rock is dead. Rock and roll is never going to die." Of course, it's going through its issues now with relevancy and. You know, being, you know, rock and roll was never mainstream, but connecting with the younger audience, you know, me having a young kid, I get to see how him and his friends are absorbing music and more and more of his friends are getting into rock and roll and rock music. And I think that's really big. I think that's really important. You know, what do you feel about the state of rock and roll and where it's headed? I mean, from my perspective, you know, I mean, I, I mean, we're a band that, anywhere from 150 to 200 plus shows a year. So I'm, I'm able to see people kind of rejoicing in rock and roll every night. So I just kind of, you know, if, if I read an article or like, you know, one of these music bloggers or something who sings out a, an email saying rock is dead, it's like, when was it, what was the last show you went to? What was the last rock show you went to that wasn't like, an old school, like classic rock heritage band. But then, but then again, like you're looking, you can go to, you know, I mean, we, we did, you know, an entire tour with ACDC and I'm at that show and I'm watching seven year olds with their parents lift their fists up and sing all the words. You know, I mean, even when we were out with, on tour with Clutch, who's one of my favorite modern rock bands, they were, you know, there were kids there, like fully in it. So, I just don't, I don't, I don't buy into it. It's just a scare tactic and it's, it's, I don't, I don't have time for that because all you got to do is go to a show and you'll be proven wrong. Well, I think it's going through a very similar time as like rock and roll did in the late seventies. You know I mean? Of course you had bands like Van Halen coming up and all that stuff. And I think that's kind of like the parallel right now. All these new bands are coming up. And then when you look at, you know, 
in the early 80s, rock and roll just kind of exploded. You know, you had, you know, Back in Black was released in 1980. Van Halen was this huge band. You had other bands, Guns N' Roses. And, but, you know, you look at a decade previous to that, towards the late 70s, you know, when bands like Zeppelin were, you know, obviously they had to break up because of the death of John Bonham. But then you talk about Black Sabbath, they were struggling too as well. I almost feel like it's similar to that period where this, there's all this great new music. There's all like these totally. great new bands and everything, you know, whenever you look at rock and roll, whatever is good, will find an audience, right? Whatever is, whatever people, and it's all good. A lot of this stuff is fantastic, you know? And, you know, when my son's turning me on a new band, he's like, dad, check this band out. And I'm like, you know, he, he's, he's putting up flyers in the downtown area where he lives and, you know, looking for a bass player right now. So, you know, it's like, you know, he's going on with his friends and taping up flyers on the on the light poles and the benches and everything and that's rock and roll and i and i feel like 2021 is going to have all this aggression come out and it's going to be a beautiful thing yeah yeah man i'm i'm really excited to see what what music comes out of this you know i know i know a lot of a lot of my friends personally have been you know kind of digging in and and hunkering down and you know i know it's i know it's tough for everyone you know like i said no one's unexpected but I think that now is a time to uh, to sort of reinvent and uh, and yeah, I just I can't wait to see what comes of it. I think there's there's got to be some good coming out of this. I just you know I know it doesn't feel like that whenever you whenever you turn on the TV or you know open up social media or anything, but I'm 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 pretty sure that that there's going to be a lot of good coming out of this time. Out of something bad, something good always happens. Yeah, absolutely, man. Because you know the the thing is, bad things make people reevaluate. For people sure. Go, oh, this isn't working. Why is this not working? Cool. How do I feel about this? What's what's the response to this? You know. You mentioned earlier in the podcast about a new bass player, and you know you you can't think of a worse time to break in a new member when you're in a pandemic and you're you know trying to figure out what's going on. How was that? How was that process? How did that all come about? Well, so, so Noah Denning, who who's been playing bass with the Shakedown for eight years or so, who's one of my you know best friends in the whole world. He just he kind of reached a point where he, whenever he joined the Shakedown, he was originally a bass player, um, and or, a drum, he, or a drummer. I mean, no, he's, he was originally a drummer. Yeah, sorry, he had gone to college with Caleb, who's the drummer of the Shakedown, at, to be a drum major, and I think he kind of picked up a a bass one night and was just like, yeah, I'll just, we were doing bass auditions. We were trying to find a guy and, and he came to the audition and he crushed it just because he's a musical dude. And I think he reached a point in his life where he's like, man, if I'm ever going to like go for that, that original thing that made me tick that passion that I can't deny, I've got to do it. And so we, we had a great conversation and, and of course we were all very supportive and, and he, I mean, cause we were supposed to be on the road this year. He's like, I'll do the tours this year, but, I'm just gotta let you guys know that this is something that I feel, and uh, it couldn't have it couldn't have gone any smoother. Um, and but still, that doesn't change the fact that we were like, we gotta find a guy. <laughs> you know, we felt the uh, sort of the pressure. You know, and uh, I got a text from this kid that's been coming to Shakedown shows since 2013. Who was like, I've been following the band from day one, and I'm and I'm ready to follow you guys till the end. And, I was like, all right, all right, hold up, hold up, hold up. Here's three songs from the new record. He's like, can you just send me the whole record? So I sent him the whole record. 
he came down to audition and he knew every single note, every word. He was able to sing all of the high parts. Um, and I, I just told, I told the guys, I was like, this guy's one of us, man. I don't think, I don't think we're, we're going to find anything, you know, any more of a perfect fit. Um, so nobody's, nobody's seen it, seen it yet. Nobody knows about it yet. Um, but on October 16th, the, the day that the album comes out, we're going to be releasing our album release show, which we are, we already recorded it. We rented lights. We had, um, our front of house guy Brendan come out and, and record the show. It's, it's killer audio quality mixed to be played loud and uh it's just gonna it's gonna look and sound really cool and, and we um we kind of intermingled footage from the actual making of the album which is something we've never done so i, I think our fans are going to get an in-depth look to the process of how the record was made some you know just some kind of fun bits from the, the studio i'm excited can't wait to see that performance that's going to be great yeah, man. Hopefully, you and your son can can hop on there. It's uh, the platform that we're using. It's it's going to be on our actual website, and there's going to be a chat as well. So we're going to actually get to like get on there and kind of hang out with fans and, and chat with fans. Everyone from the band and a few VIPs will be in there as well. Nice, nice. When when you talk about this record and being hunkered down in the basement, was this a lot more collaborative than previous albums for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, I mean, every, every album is collaborative, but, but this album, we, you know, I think just the way that we were doing it, it kind of took teamwork because we ran into roadblocks. And so just because of the lack of luxury, our last album was recorded in one of the nicest studios I've ever been in in my life. And I've been in a lot of them, you know? And so this one was recorded in my basement. So there's a lot of, there was a lot of patience required um, and just kind of a lot of teamwork that we, that we had to lean into. Um, but I mean, as far as the writing process goes, it was, you know, I mean, the majority of the songs are written by me or me and Caleb or me and Graham or the three of us, you know? So it was, you know, everyone, everyone was involved in everything. And it was, it was very collaborative in picking the songs. We started with 37 songs. We narrowed it down to thirteen that we wanted to do, and then we just kept we kept writing. So there's you know it's it's a thing if I'm really passionate about doing a song and Caleb and Graham aren't on board, I kind of have to to trust my team there. You know? Yeah, you know sometimes it's all about timing. You know what doesn't resonate right now maybe just needs to be fine tuned a little bit and come out. You know you mentioned you know the song that you wrote several years ago that's you know, called holding my breath. It's on the record now. And, and, you know, I'm sure that happens a lot. Yeah. I mean, well, one of my favorite songs off of truth and lies is a song called out there. And I, you know, I wrote that song when I was 17, 18, something like that. And I, you know, I tried to put it on record, <laughs> tried to put it on pretty much every record we did. And it took until the truth and lies album for it, it to actually make the cut. So just because the song doesn't make it, doesn't mean it's dead. It's just, I think this this album was about making a record that was that felt appropriate for where we're at right now personally and where we're at in the world and you know so like you know it's it's not going to be the last record we make I tell you that much well you've got 37 songs I mean it's like you know the you know you you only put 13 on the record 
you know, you've got, you know, and I'm sure you're still creating and, and, you know, I'm still, I'm sure you're still, you know, making music, but that's awesome to know that, you know, you've got so much more coming where, you know, when bands today, they need to have that, you know, that, uh, the depth of, of songs that they have because they got to keep touring on that stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, but that's the thing. And like with this band is like, if we have 37 going into the process and then we kind of, the, the process is done, then we pretty much start over. So we've already been writing new songs, you know, it's, that's how it goes with every record. So at this point, that catalog, catalog of songs that we've, we've written is just, it's, so huge and, and we, we've kind of just been talking like let's just keep making records until we're back on the road that way when we get on the road we can, we'll have a few you know balls in the cannon and we can just keep firing away well that's my next question you know is obviously you make a record you want to tour on it and that you can't do that right now you know there's the live streams that are on social media and YouTube and I think actually the, the ones on Facebook are going away if I didn't if I read that correctly but what is I'm not mad. What's that? I'm not mad about it. Yeah. But but I'm just I'm just saying like for you guys, you know, to to have this record and obviously you want to get out and play it cuz you're excited about it. You know, what are your thoughts? I mean, do, I mean, what is the plan to do with live stream or play in certain venues or certain states? Obviously maybe overseas could be an option if certain countries are, you know, not on lockdown like 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 we have or some cer- certain states are. What is the plan for Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown with that? You know, I think a lot of it's still yet to be seen. You know, I mean, there's, there's, we were supposed to be over in Europe touring right now. Um, and it's just, I don't know, we're kind of just having to, to find our footing. And we, we've been hesitant to do a lot of live streams. Um, just because, one, because we've, we didn't have a bass player. We had to find our, find our guy. We didn't even really start looking for a bass player until after the album was made you know so I played bass on all the songs on the record except for Graham and uh, so that was sort of like our first our first order of business after making the record it was hitting us up going let's do some live streams let's do this and we're like no we're we're doing this we're making this album and now we we wanted our first one to come out just guns blazing so that's why we're we we had control of the entire process, you know, to where it's going to look and sound like we want it to. It's going to be as close to a shakedown show as you can get because so many of the live streams that I've that I've seen, the audio quality is just, you know, it's like it's made it's made for watching on your phone. I think for this this album is so so important to us that we we really wanted it to be something that people could get as close to the real thing as possible. Um, and then from there, I guess we'll just see, I imagine we'll probably do, do some more live streams and stuff, but we're, we're kind of just trying to, to give the best possible option to our fans. Cause we haven't, we've been quiet all year. You had some collaborations on this album. You had your wife, you had Charlie star. How did all those, how did both those tracks come about? Well, um, my my wife actually she sang on a couple songs on the record. She was uh, we we featured her on Crazy Days because that one for me like I wrote when I wrote that song I, I went upstairs and played her my idea and, and I was like I really wish there was a high harmony on there and, and uh, I asked her if she would sing it and she just 
absolutely destroyed it on my demo. She just made it sound so much better. And when we went to record that song on the record, she uh, she threw a vocal down on there just because I couldn't I couldn't stand to hear the song without her voice at that point. And then with uh, holding my breath, I text Charlie. The record was actually like in the mix at that point, but I was listening to it, going, "Man, I think this would be just so much better with with high harmony in the chorus." And I text Charlie and said, "Hey, would you consider guesting on this song?" And I, I was pretty nervous about asking him to be honest with you. And I was like, "You can do it now, no pressure, no pressure." And he, he sent me back a vocal. Kind of just all worked out for the best. That's awesome. I, I, Blackberry Smoke's one of my favorite bands as well. And when I saw the collaboration on there, I was like, "Oh, this is this is awesome!" And and Crazy Days, you know my you know my son again, you know comes in. He's like, "Dude, did you hear the new Tyler Bryant song?" And I go, "No." I'm like, "I'm like," he's like, and he plays it for me, like right in front of me, like I'm cooking dinner, and and I'm like, who, "I'm like, who's that singing?" And and you know, Rebecca was on there, you know, and she just sounds tremendous. She sounds just awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, that's the other thing is Noah always covered the high harmonies. And so there were a couple of songs that really called for that. And we were kind of going, scratching our heads going, what do we, what do we do? You know, and Graham and I were, were kind of pulling a lot of, a lot of weight that we weren't used to pulling and it was all right. But then we're like, why don't we just, why don't we have some of our friends just join us? And I mean, it, it really worked out, you know, it's like sometimes the, when you have to go around a roadblock, you end up finding a nice scenic route. Yeah, right. Sometimes the shortcut is, you know, is not worth it. You got to, you know, take the take the scenic view. Yeah. Well, Tyler, it's been a great discussion, great conversation. The new album, Pressure, out October sixteenth. Trust me when I say it's tremendous. It's awesome. It's it's an incredible record, and uh, thankful for you to come on the show and talk about it and talk about what's going on with Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. Hey, man. It's a pleasure. It was all mine. I really appreciate it. And, hey, man, give my best to your son. He sounds like a rad kid. Yeah, he's definitely itching to see you guys again, so we will definitely be at uh, a show or two next time uh, you guys come through. All right, right on, man. Take care. All right, everybody, that's Tyler Bryant from Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk again soon. Thank you.
92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically, so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with the 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 